Hello and welcome to the 215 Workman's Podcast. My name is Brother Robert Reynolds. I'm from KJB Right Division Radio in Lipa City, Batangas, Philippines. This is the podcast of myself and Brother Landon Dunn, and we appreciate y'all being with us today to hear this message that we have for you. And pray that it's a blessing to you and a help to you, and pray it helps you learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. All right, so uh, today uh, I am... Uh, giving uh, live radio a, a try once again um, I've had uh, trouble and, and problems with it for a long long time uh, but uh, I am uh, gonna give it a try again and uh, and and also uh, you can um, if you like uh, you can uh, go to um, to my discord uh, server and um, you can uh, listen to it there as well um, on, on the uh, the podcast and um, uh, Bible studies channel there and uh, I will put uh, a link to that uh, in in the in the video right, so that uh, you can do that if you so desire amen all right, so um, what I am going to do today is uh, I'm going to preach on I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. So please go with me to um, the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and chapter 19, and we will read verses 1 to 4. John chapter 19, verses 1 to 4. All right, starting in verse 1. The King James Bible says this. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. And then verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. You know, uh, Pilate, he said about three times that Christ was innocent. But yet, put him to death anyway. How about that? So, many folks today, you know, they will, uh, they will blame the Lord, you know, for their problems. 
uh, many will get mad because they think that the Lord did not answer their prayers uh, and uh, they will curse him you know and they'll say it's the Lord's fault um, so let me preach a little bit today on I find no fault in him now in the Bible uh, you know in Bible study uh, there is something that is called the law of first mention and uh, what that means is that you take a word in the Bible such as fault and you look to see where it is the first time that that word is being used in the Bible and so you get a definition from that first time that that word is used and usually that will set the tone for what that word means throughout the whole Bible but that's usually right? so we have to remember that context, 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 context is the most important alright so what does fault mean? Well, uh, fault, the word fault, is, uh, is found 19 times in 18 verses in the Bible. The first time that it's used is Exodus 5:16, and the last is Revelation 14, verse 5. So let's go to Exodus 5:16. Exodus 5:16. Exodus 5:16 All right, are you there? Okay. Verse 16 says, There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. So, what you see is that fault means mistake, blemish, something wrong. So now let's look at the first point. The first point is I find no fault in his grace. I find no fault in his grace. John 1:17, please. John 1.17 John 1.17 says For the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came 
by Jesus Christ. Now, grace, the word grace is found in the Bible 170 times in 159 verses. The first being Genesis 6, verse 8, and the last being Revelation 22, verse 21. So let's go to Genesis 6, verse 8. Genesis 6, verse 8. Genesis 6 verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you know what that word grace means? It means getting what we do not deserve it's the free unmerited love and favor of God is the spring and source of all the benefits man receives from God you know what you and I deserve and it's the only thing that we deserve is to die and go to hell but thank God thank God for his grace and his mercy which I will preach on a little bit here in a minute but thank God for his grace look at Romans 3.24 Romans 3.24 Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see that? We, we who are saved are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast 
So it is by grace through faith that a person is saved. It's not by the things that we do. We don't work for salvation. We don't work to keep salvation. And then verse 10 tells us why we are saved. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. by God's grace amen look at Romans 11 verse 6 Romans 11 verse 6 says and if by grace then is it no more of works otherwise grace is no more grace but if it be of works then is it no more grace otherwise work is no more work Now, I used to have a, a book uh, that I bought here uh, in the Philippines uh, that um, is a book of, uh, of illustrations. Right? And uh, one illustration that I found you know, on grace is, is this. And you know, I, I, don't, I don't know... Um, if this is if this is really um, legit, you know I don't know if this really happened to Billy Graham, you know. But um, the illustration is there about grace, you know. So you know if if this is not true about uh, Billy Graham, uh, please uh, please let me know. You know, but uh, the illustration said this: that uh, Billy Graham uh, was caught speeding. Uh, the police officer told him that he would have to go to court. The judge asked him, "Guilty or not guilty?" And Billy Graham admitted his guilt. The judge charged him a ten-dollar fine, a dollar for every mile he went over the speed limit. The judge then recognized the famous evangelist and said that he broke the law and the fine must be paid. But here is the grace. But he, the judge, would pay the fine himself out of his own pocket and then took Billy Graham out for a steak dinner. That's grace. 
Amen. You know, Jesus Christ, He shed every precious drop of His blood, died a cruel, horrible death on that cross, was buried, and rose again the third day for you and me and for the whole world. Christ took our sins upon his shoulders on that cross. And not only that, but he became sin who knew no sin. He took our place. And for salvation, all you simply need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe and trust the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ found in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 4. Believe it and trust it. Christ did everything for us, my friends, for salvation. We just need to believe and trust. And it's all by God's grace that you and I are who we are. It's all by God's grace that we still have breath. It's by God's grace that a person is saved. Now look at uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15.10 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me You see that? And God's grace is sufficient. Look at Second Corinthians twelve. Second Corinthians twelve verses 
7 to 10. And this is dealing with um, the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. You see that? So he's asking uh, the Lord to take that thorn in the flesh away from him. He did that three times. Now listen to what the Lord tells him. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God's grace is sufficient. So, no matter, no matter what you go through, and I am speaking to myself here. I'm preaching to myself. But no matter what you go through. Never, ever, ever quit and give up serving the Lord. Never. If you just trust the Lord... He will see you through whatever you go through from start to finish. So don't give up and quit, my friends. And if we see our brother or sister in Christ fall, let's be there for them and let's help them to the finish line let's not be like David when he tried to cover up his sin with Bathsheba he had his soldiers take Uriah who is Bathsheba's husband and put him in the hottest battle and leave him there by himself. And then he ended up being killed. All because David was trying to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. Let's be there for one another. Let's bear one another's burdens. Amen. Now, 
Look at Romans 8.18. Romans 8. Romans 8. 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, or sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. One day all this uh, that we go through here on this earth, the trials and tribulations, the problems, everything, it's all going to be over one day. And we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. We will see Him as He is and we will be like Him. Praise God. Now, let's go on. Point number two. I find no fault in His mercy. I find no fault in His mercy. Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verses 11 to 20. All right. Numbers, chapter 14, verses 11 to 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere that they believe me? For all the signs which I have show, showed among them, I will smite them with pestilence and disherit them, and will make of thee a great nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in the might from in thy might from among them and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land for they have heard that thou lord art among this people that thou lord art seen face to face and that thy cloud standeth over them and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night now if thou shalt kill all these people as one man then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he, he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee there uh, but now and now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation pardon I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now and then verse 20 and the Lord said I have pardoned according to thy word 
So mercy is found in the Bible 276 times in 261 verses. The first is Genesis 1919, and the last is Jude 121. All right, so uh, Genesis 19:19. Genesis 19:19. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die so what does mercy mean mercy is not getting what we deserve it's mildness and tenderness of heart which uh, disposes a person to overlook injuries and to treat an offender better than he deserves. Now listen to this. A mother approached Napoleon, seeking a pardon for her son. Napoleon replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice, and justice demanded death. The lady said, but I don't ask for justice. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, replied Napoleon. The lady then said, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well then, said Napoleon, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. Amen. And so as I have said before. We deserve nothing but to die. And go to hell. Because we are nothing. But dirty. Rotten. Filthy. Stinking. Sinners. But Christ took our place. We just need to believe and trust the gospel. Amen. And if you die without salvation, you're going to wake up in hell with no opportunity ever again to change your mind about Christ and you say well how can a God who is supposedly a God of love which he is a God of love but how can a God of love send anyone to hell a place of torture But the truth of the matter is God doesn't send anyone to hell. 
people go to hell themselves. They choose to because they choose to reject Christ and his finished work. Look at John chapter 3. And this should be uh, very familiar uh, to everybody. John chapter 3. And um, we'll start in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let me just say there that this, John 3.16, it is not the gospel. Okay? Yes, verse 16 says that God gave his Son, his only begotten Son, but does not say how. Alright, so when witnessing to people, you need to add the gospel into that, which is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4, to show how. Alright, and then verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Alright, so why didn't Christ come to condemn the world? Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The unsaved are condemned. The world is condemned already to hell. But if they put their faith and trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, they will be with the Lord forever one day they will not go to hell ever praise God and then number three now I'm running out of time well, I'm uh, getting low on time so I have to um have to rush a little well have, have to speed up a little bit um, but anyway uh, number three I find no fault in his salvation I find no fault in his salvation Acts 16 Verses 29 to 31. Then he called for a light, meaning the Philippian jailer, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And 
thy house. Salvation is the redemption of man from the bondage of sin and the liability to eternal death and the conferring on him everlasting happiness and life. You want to see the transaction for salvation? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. This is the transaction for salvation. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So, you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You believe it, and you trust it, and then you're sealed into the day of redemption, which is the rapture. Sealed. Now, I heard a preacher in the States one time say that that seal is like an envelope and it can't be broken. But remember, it is the Holy Spirit that seals a person. And in this church age, that seal cannot be broken. And once a person is uh, saved by putting their faith and trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, they are baptized into the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12. Let's look at that. Verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And then verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, I had a pastor one time uh, that um, he was a Baptist brighter, but I, I did not know what a brighter was at that time. A Baptist brighter. But, Eventually, I, I went up and I asked, Well, what about 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13? For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. He said, Oh, that's simple. You know, that is, that's the Holy Spirit calling us to water baptism. But there's not a drop of water in that verse at all. That is Holy Spirit baptism, my friends. It's the Holy Spirit that is doing the baptizing. Not a preacher, not a pastor, not an evangelist, not anybody. It's the Holy Spirit. And not only do you have a Holy Spirit baptism, 
but you have a spiritual circumcision made without hands. The Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation comes into that person, cuts away the soul from the flesh. So that the soul doesn't suffer the same consequences as the flesh. Remember that this flesh, and flesh is flesh, alright? It's not a nature. You know, flesh is flesh, but flesh has that sinful nature. Flesh is flesh. This flesh is wicked and it's condemned to the ground. Amen? Now, look at let's see Colossians and let me see Colossians chapter 2 and we'll start in verse 8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's a lot of tradition in the church today. Verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. So if you are saved, you are complete. Alright? You're no longer two-thirds man, you know, uh, body and soul. Now, now your dead spirit come alive. Because you're saved, now you are complete. Uh, and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Do you see that there, that Holy Spirit, uh, the spiritual circumcision there? By the Holy Spirit, and here is uh, spiritual baptism. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, which had uh, raised him from the dead. And let's read 13 as well. And you being dead in your sins and the uncirc uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together, made alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses past present future my friends all forgiven all under the blood of Jesus Christ and because you are saved there is nothing or no one that can pluck you out of Jesus Christ's hands or out of God's hands you are safe and secure but again that does not give us a right to live our lives the way that we want to. Oh, I'm saved, you know, I'm forgiven, you know, I can do whatever I want. No, we can't. The Apostle Paul said, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. But if we do commit a sin, we judge that sin as sin, 
we confess it to God as per 1 John 1 9 and then God will put us right back into the proper fellowship with him now it's not God that leaves that fellowship it is us alright and then lastly number four I find no fault in Christ himself now go through these really quickly here Christ knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Christ did no sin. 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 25. Christ had no sin. 1 John 3, verses 4 and 5. When it comes to the body of Christ, the church, there is no such thing as sinless perfection. The only person to ever walk this earth that was sinless was Jesus Christ. You know, even the Apostle Paul struggled with the sinful flesh. And you'll see that in Romans 7, verses 19 and 20. Amen. So, that is, I find no fault in Him. I pray that this message was uh, a help to you and, uh, and a blessing to you. And I ask that you continue to, to pray for... For us, our families, our ministries, please continue to pray for this podcast that the Lord will continue to use it mightily for His glory. Amen? Alright, thank you so very much. Until next time, God bless you. Mm-hmm.